0: What's up all you beautiful people, it's your boy Hobart, coming to you on this episode 12 of the Bartcast, 12 episodes in, 3 months, we doing it, we big, we keeping it rolling, I'm so excited, it's Thursday, oh my god, yes, uh, thank you to you all for uh, your support and for listening and checking in and uh, certainly It's been a blast and a ride, and I'm so excited about all this stuff. Life is great. Getting ready to go on an epic backpacking trip in the Sierras this weekend for the next week with a bunch of a couple of my homies, and uh, it's going to be grand. Um, Getting that high Sierra air in my lungs and jumping in some lakes. Um... But yeah, what can I say about my guest today? His name is Gabe and he's from the North Bay. Um, I got a very special one today for y'all. This dude is one of the most uh, just naturally lovable and creative human beings I have had the pleasure of crossing paths with. And if his voice sounds vaguely familiar, it's because he shares the vast majority of his genetic content with one of my other guests. That's right, folks. Today, my guest is none other than Gabe Adams, brother of longtime guest, friend of the show, Jesse Lemmy Adams. And... Uh, listening back to this episode, uh, I was just struck by how similar these brothers' cadences and the way that they talk, and the way their voices sound. Um, so it, it it is. There's a bit of familiarity there that I hope you guys all pick up on too. Um, what can I say about Gabe? Um, he is fearless. Uh, he, you know, how many of us out there? have ever created a feature film from scratch. Written the screenplay, screenplay casted it, filled all the roles in, directed and edited uh, a feature film. I mean, that is a daunting task. And he did it all alongside his brother with zero fights, with zero arguments, I know. I couldn't imagine that. Um, I'm very impressed with this human being and very honored to have him on my show. And today we dive into the story of the making of his first feature film and what it was like and how one gets established in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, this guy uh, has been working in the industry now for, I think he said, seven years. And now has the uh, most auspicious title of filmmaker to attach to his credentials. Um, Really fun guy to talk to, awesome human being, and and just, you know, like his brother, just one of these people that's just super quippy and has a bunch of nice one-liners, and it was just a genuine joy for me to have him on. And I hope you guys all find this To be educational and interesting, I know I was uh, fascinated and this is something that I'm going to be going back to in the coming months uh, and taking notes from of like this person who's gone through this uh, whole process of creation to make a film. Um, I love this guy. I'm excited to have him in my life and very, very grateful that he came on to my show. Um, and told his story so without further ado would y'all please give it up for my boy mr gabe adams on this episode 12 of the bartcast great to hear from you what a surprise right
1: gabriel hey thanks for having me on
0: buddy dude thanks for coming on man welcome to the bart cast
1: oh i love it i love it i uh i'm so thrilled that you're doing this man it's what a cool what a cool thing and you have a voice for podcasting has anyone told you that
0: i've actually it's funny i uh i've had a couple people tell me that that i have like a soothing voice which is Strange because I've never considered it to be soothing myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. You could do the, you could, uh, read, you know, night stories, children's stories and have people go to sleep. If that's creepy or not, I'm not sure how creepy that is, but.
0: The rabbit lived underneath the sandy.
1: (laughs) So funny, man.
0: Frolic in the moonlight.
1: So what made you want to get into podcasting?
0: That's a good question. Um, i have been a big fan of podcasts going back to uh probably 2013 so about seven years now
1: okay cool
0: and like almost everything i feel like in my life when i get into like a a type of art my my brain always goes to the like well can i do it like how do i make it um yeah it was something that was in my mind for years and then uh You know, I I was saying for the last couple of years, like, oh, I should start a podcast. And last year I had this revelation about this uh, travel podcast I wanted to do. And uh, and then during shutdown, you know, I kind of had to take mental inventory of like what was holding me back from doing it. Yeah. And uh, I realized I actually had all the gear that I needed. And uh, so I just started doing it. And here we are three months later, episode 12, baby. That's
1: um, so exciting, man. It's It's cool. I I mean, you know, it's so funny because right before this pandemic, I felt like there wasn't as many podcasters as there are now. So what I'm thrilled to see is once we get past the pandemic, how many people stick on to their podcasts. Right. Um, You know, so we'll have to see how that goes. You
0: know? Yeah, I'm sure there'll be like a drop off of the COVID projects, and uh, only the strong survive. You know.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> I love that song. No, that's. But I not... feel like
0: I feel like you know I set myself the goal of doing of recording and releasing one a week. Yeah. And so far, I took about two weeks off because I went camping, but so far I've I've been largely successful. Um, and achieving that goal, which, which feels really good.
1: Do you think, uh, eventually you'll get to a place where you'll be doing visual as well, um, as podcasts, or are you going to keep it all, um, auditory?
0: That's a great question. Um, I think this is just going off my own personal feelings about the medium. Um, we could do video someday if this becomes a thing and there's a budget for it. And I definitely have the gear that needed to do it, but yeah. My philosophy with podcasts, is, you know, this is just my personal taste. I think that we live in this uh, like kind of hyper video content society. Totally. And for some reason, with video art, the the public and and, and all of us really have a, a much shorter attention span when it comes to what'd videos. you say? exactly
1: (laughs) no i'm yeah i I feel you so much on this you know like
0: i can't i watch like maybe a minute maybe 90 seconds of a video clip and then i'm like checking how much longer is this gonna be you know um i know at the same time i'll listen to a four-hour podcast without batting an eye so something about that auditory only you know uh Methodology. Radio's yeah. the Plus,
1: future. I've always said it. I've always said radio's the future. You're
0: <laughs> a visionary
1: man. For sure. We just invented a song recently. Um, it's called um, "Internet Killed the Video Star." I love so, it. I so, so instead it. of uh, radio killed it, the what is it? TV killed the radio star. I don't know. Video killed anyways, the radio star. Yeah, but I oh. I just got some AirPods recently. I mm-hmm. guess they're like the off-brand version, but. Yeah. I've been listening to podcasts lately and it's actually some of the most efficient work that I do like uh for some reason I can clean I, I I like not having like a cord and um this is a great spot for your product placement for just 3 easy payments of 9.99 AirPods. Yeah yeah <laughs> but, drop
0: uh, <laughs> the uh offer code <laughs> bartcast at checkout.
1: Yeah totally
0: nice <laughs> affiliate
1: marketing but we definitely um, are losing our patience. That's, that's, that's definitely happening. So I'm trying to do better, but it's, it's hard. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's kind of cool too. Cause I feel like with the podcasts, it's allowed me to like life hack chores. Like I don't really mm-hmm. mind doing chores anymore. Cause I just dive into another conversation or audiobook or something. And then I'm just like, it's like, I'm getting the ear candy. And then, I can kind of sink into whatever menial tasks my body is doing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, um, yeah I've been trying to learn how to meditate in my sleep lately. It hasn't Ooh. been working as much, but sometimes I just meditate while I'm sleeping.
0: Lucid dreaming.
1: Yeah, lucid dreaming. Actually, have you had some weird dreams in the last few days? I've oh, yeah, some... for sure. What, what happens in your dreams?
0: I'm trying to think about what was I doing in my dream last night. Um, man, what was it? I forget last night's dream. I've been having some, some definitely some interesting dreams. I actually woke up yesterday morning at like 6am. I know you woke
1: me up. You were snoring the whole night and I was like, come on, what's going on? I
0: was like, come on, babe. (laughs) Just put a a pillow over your head. Turn over. Um, I woke up and I was convinced that, uh, I was having like an acute poison oak reaction all over my face. And all over my back. And it happened. It started in my dream. I started feeling it. And then uh, I woke up and then I kind of started to panic a little bit. I had, like, gone and played disc golf with my brother the day before. And we had definitely gotten into some poison oak. But I don't really get it that bad anymore. And I didn't really – I was pretty good at not touching anything. But my disc definitely touched some. And I didn't really wipe my hands off. So, you know, in my groggy mind, I started to think that, oh, shit, this is like the tingle that announces the later suffering. And uh, so I called up Kaiser and I was like, hey, I need to get some prednisone like ASAP. And they were like, all right, it'll be ready in two hours at the pharmacy. And I was convinced it was coming in all over my face and all over my shoulders. And then I went back to sleep and I kind of had to make that, like, half-awake call personally, like, do I risk it, and, like, just go back to sleep, and then, you know, those extra hours could make or break it and I decided to just take the risk and then I woke up at, like, 11 and I was fine, and I've had no outbreak, so
1: it reminds me of a story. I I was just at a CVS pharmacy, and can I say, there is nothing more awkward in life than buying lube at a CVS pharmacy. <laughs> I, li- I, li- I literally, like, I went in there. First of all, they keep it behind a glass cage as if some there's some lube thief somewhere oh going on. And there's then, an so they I have to call in for the guy at the front counter to call his manager, he calls the manager. The manager comes over. He can't get the door to fix, and so he wants to show the other employee how to fix the door. So they're sitting there, and like three people are waiting in line. And now it's like, which one were you getting the KY jelly? He's getting the <laughs> KY jelly. So I just had to sit there. And then after they opened up this glass prism, I literally they they took it back to the front of the counter, and then and then I had to explain. I had to explain it to three CVS employees that I was buying lube, and I just. I, I was buying a, a 12 pack of white claw as well. And you oh, know, they said, you know, do you, want, you want to donate thing. a dollar towards cancer? And I said, no, I'm very anti-cancer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you, they're like, he wants the one that, uh, what is it called? <laughs> Performance enhancer. The one that numbs <laughs> your junk. That's dude. You know, what's cool about that though, is like you pretty much just got, got handed on a silver platter, like a scene for your next movie, you know?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I know it's so weird how those awkward situations really do. I mean, there's some, there, there should be something like a Larry David moment. There should be a word for it. Like, you know, like an adjective or like a curb. It happens like I guess a curb or something like that. When yeah. something like this happens. Cause it always reminds me of like a situation Larry David would get into.
0: <laughs> just in the, in your head as you're going up to the desk, it's just like, I actually,
1: I did have a Larry Dative moment. I was the car. I just bought a Honda element. I had to buy it from a blind woman. She had gotten stung by a bee in her hand, like a killer wasp or something from England. And she went blind. And then I was like, of course, like, oh, I'm not gonna barter with a blind woman. You know, who was, who's gonna barter with a blind woman about a car? So I was like, I'll just go in, I'll just try to go in, and so I think the car was like five grand. And I was like, hey, can I give you like 4,800? And she's actually, she was like, actually, it's gonna cost you 5,500 now. And I was like, God damn it! So I was like, I, was like, I had to barter with a blind woman. I definitely didn't. I paid whatever she wanted to do. But then huh. I was, I was imagining. Um, since she was blind, like I would see her driving by in like a Mercedes, totally perfect eyesight, and then right. boom, 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 ba da, dum Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. You haggled me. <laughs> yeah. The haggle, the, the the blind haggler. Yeah, there'd be a totally like a Larry David esque term for it too. Yeah,
1: we we'll, once we figure that one out, let me know because I'm sure you will. Because it
0: was a sight slight She sight slided me. <laughs>
1: So yeah, man, I'm just up here enjoying the time. Uh, Where are I'm, you right now? I'm up in uh, I'm up in the Bay Area, and um, I'm Pengrove. little baby. little country town, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's nice to get away from Burbank for a little bit. You know, it's so hot down there, and mm-hmm. you know, work at Los Angeles work is just starting back up again. Um, okay, but you know, they're not paying hazard pay. You know, they're not what? paying they're not paying anything more um, to it, and you have to work in a mask for twelve hours a day. Oh. So it's sort of not really worth going back to yet.
0: Yeah. That sounds kind of nightmarish. I was going to ask you, you know, my, me, myself, you know, half of my work, half of my income for the year kind of just went away overnight with the freelance industry drying up. Um, what's it been like, you know, I know you work as an independent contractor on a lot of these. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, I feel lucky to be in a country where at least, you know we get some money i mean if you're in india you sell rice every day you you really don't have the covid pay or the unemployment so i'm really grateful to have um somewhat of a sustainable unemployment but no all the work went away every every single th- every way i get money and hustle went went away immediately for sure like yeah. 100% of it um but i'm not really ever worried because i you know you know, I'm, I'm not one, a guy who stays on one TV show, um, all the time. I'm usually a day player, so I'm usually hopping from TV show to TV show. And, um, so really I'm already in the wild a little bit anyways, uh, because of that.
0: Can you, uh, just for the benefit of the listeners and all who, uh, who, who may not, you know, be aware of your glorious, uh, stature, can you just explain a little bit what it is that you, uh, what your what your what your Definitely. job is,
1: what you do. Definitely. So, basically, how the film business works is there's like four different ways uh, uh, to work. You can work in reality TV show. That's number one. Oh, and then there's uh, scripted TV shows. And then there's um, uh, the, there's also um, feature films. And then there's commercials. And so what I do in my day job is I'm a set dresser and lead man and art director. So I, I basically go in, talk with the director, find out what his vision is and go out and rent the couches, get the sheets, get uh, build the walls. I sort of like make sure the mise en scene, what's inside of the camera frame is looking good or looking nice. So I've been very fortunate because I, you know, a lot of the times I will be on a set. I got to work on what we do in the shadows and Orange is the New Black and Bordeaux Empire and a lot of great, great shows. So I, but I, I got to work on them just a little bit here and there, which is so nice because it's it's good to see how different shows work and, and how they operate differently. So um, I've been fortunate because in all four different ways you can work in uh, reality or scripted i sort of have been uh very fortunate the last 7 years to sort of day play which means working on a bunch of different shows so i've been like a, a definitely a a freelancer or a how do you call it something 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 so it's been really great man i i feel i feel really fortunate to build sets for a living and you know it's it's funded my first movie my brother and i had just We saved up a bunch of money from my working, and uh, we made our own feature film as directors. So we have a comedy feature film that's coming out. It's called Up to Five. And actually right now what's so great about it is um, there's such a lack of content out there. So it's almost like the stock of my movie because my movie uh, hasn't come out yet. I haven't sold it yet, which is Mm -hmm. actually great because now nobody has a movie, and we have a pretty – decent comedy movie that uh we 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 think is pretty good
0: demand 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 baby
1: yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping so Um, so
0: yeah i want to jump into that in a minute but i just was was wondering maybe to start if you could talk about you know tell us tell us the story of uh, how you got into doing this sort of thing
1: definitely that's a nice question um i was going i didn't really know what i wanted in life i think i was like 20 or 21 and I was I was getting my – I got my associate's degree from a junior college up here in, in uh, Petaluma, and I was transferring over to Sonoma State, which is a four-year college near my house. And I guess someone had misprinted my transcripts, and they're basically – the dean was like, you have to wait six months before you can come to the school. And so what I did, I literally packed all my bags. I had a friend who lived in Los Angeles. Um, I, I I threw everything in my trunk and I drove down there immediately. Um, I was very fortunate. Uh, my first job, I was getting paid $50 a day. I was, and I was teaching Cuba, good engineer, how to play chess. And that was like my first, that was my first job, uh, in the film business. So it was so great. And I like on day three of living in Los Angeles, I like put on a big suit. I had really long hair at the time. And uh, I crossed the Golden Globes and shook Tarantino's hand, and all these people. I, for some reason, I, I, the whole myth of famous people and uh, the world that they live in got shattered immediately right when I went down there because I got to see every famous person all at once. It was like a shocking moment. I was like, I had my phone out for a while, and then I eventually just put my phone away, and I was like, these are just people. And so it's sort of like that whole. Way we think about famous people they're just shorter, smaller people than you think they are <laughs> and and they're all just people and uh so i game I went down there into Los Angeles and I worked some production jobs. I think I did amazing race and then Big Brother and then um master Chef. I did a bunch of reality stuff and then uh at the time I was dating a girl uh who was, was going to princeton and I decided to go out um to New York and work on this new show called orange is the new black, which hadn't really hit yet. It was, it was still, I think with the first season was just about to come out and they were working on a second season. So I, I landed a job there. And then I literally like on my first day of that job, I was, I took out the trash during lunch when everyone else was eating. And some woman was like, can you come work for me for boardwalk empire? And so I ended up, it's weird how each job it's sort of, it just led to another job. You know, I, I've only pulled out my resume once or twice to get a job, but it's all kind of this word-of-mouth thing. So on mm-hmm. Boardwalk Empire, I had to take care of every background person's hat. So they had 1,600 cast members and I had 1,600 different characters, and I had every single one of those hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a, basically a, like a 50-foot wall full of Cantico's. Hmm. um, of all these hats. So I worked in New York there for about a, uh, a year. And then to I came start
0: to start. Were you already in the art department or were you doing just PA work? Or...
1: Oh yeah. So I, so I did production assistant work, um, for my first year. And then this costume job came, I did costumes and then I came back and I got, I got lucky in the union on big brother when I flipped. So I did art. So I really went from production, To costumes, to art department. Um, And then now I've been doing art department. I'm in a union, local 44, Mm -hmm. and so healthcare and pension. So if you ever want to have a baby with me, Hobart, it's only a thousand bucks.
0: Yeah, that was actually my, you know, going to be a question later (laughs) in the show. I was going to propose that. Um, (laughs) We can table that, you know, until. Yeah, we'll we'll table it.
1: We'll uh, table it.
0: Establish the credentials, you know?
1: But yeah so just i really just flip flopped and then i'm 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 an artist anyways i'm an illustrator i've always been an illustrator and so and then I'm a big guy so i, I it was really easy for me to find a place in art department and uh if you notice on film sets like um, art department people are sort of the kindest in some ways because we're always dealing with different things and like we're not as cutthroat as cameramen can get and we don't have as many bad jokes as grip department have and then <laughs> we're we're not as you know we don't have as many bosses as production has because if you work in production what I noticed is you have about eight bosses and then all you're doing is basically hospitality you're basically a hotel for the production and everything so that instead of working on the production uh, branch of the film business working in art department was nice because we build things and we break things down and so there's a really you feel like you're you've you've done something by the end of the day it's like oh I I remember I had to put like a 30-foot styrofoam butt onto a truck and we had to figure out how do you do that and so like that whole day was about doing that so we it was pretty great how how many random projects there's uh, been over the years where you know it's almost like you live you know a bunch of lives in a weird like every morning is a Monday and every every night is like a Friday on a film set. You just feel like you lived an entire week within one day, which is, it's it's really fun way to live for sure.
0: And they're long days, right? You usually work at like twelve to fifteens?
1: Yeah, yeah, usually about twelve to fifteen hours. Uh you know, it's it's probably equivalent to about six hours being a waitress or a waiter because I was a I was a waiter for a little bit and you know, you can't really work a twelve hour shift as a waiter. It's you're 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 doing the same thing, you're going back and forth, but in the film business what's nice is no 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 day is the same. So it's like, hey, you know, you get there, you do you start paperwork. And then, oh, you jump in a truck and pick up some things and you go over here, you know, so it's, it's really a fluid workforce. So it doesn't feel like 12 hours, uh, you know, it feels like it goes by quicker just because the tasks that are so different that you get to do.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, so yeah, so you, you get into this art thing and, uh, been cruising along with that when, did you decide you wanted to make a feature film?
1: Well, that happened in a hot flash. <laughs> <laughs> I I was working on a YouTube comedy special thing. This was like very early on in my career. Yeah. And it was, there was an after party or something. And I snuck a few friends in there. I, ha- I had two drinks. So I was double fisting. I think I jumped on top of uh like a, like a air hockey table and dance. And basically I got kicked out of this after party. Right. And I basically was like, I'm never working in this business again because no one's going to hire me. It was one of my first jobs. I basically like, you know, Got banned from a production company, which is wild because you go like, "Holy crap, what I'm gonna do?" But mm-hmm. the next day, I wrote my first script or tried to, you know, start start my first script, which is um this, this road trip comedy that we we just yeah. completed this year. And, yeah, so that
0: was in response to feeling like your la- your world was ending, like you made yeah. a paw and something yeah, like banned.
1: the 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 plan always puts out all the flowers right before it dies. So I literally thought I was not going to get another job in Los Angeles. So I was like, I might as well just work on my own thing. And it's, for some reason, it it was such a blessing. It's weird how, you know, all opportunities is just sometimes, you know, weird, bad luck that just comes up. So yeah, I thought I wasn't going to work in the business and then I decided to, to do this project, which turned out to be good, it's sort of like if the guys from planes, trains, and automobiles were chasing Thelma and Louise. That's what my movie sort of is like: two dumb guys chasing two hot girls, and um, it's a comedy drama, kind of, kind of mix mash. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's what happens. But you know, you I had to convince my You know, you just have to keep falling in love with these projects that you do, and um, I feel really fortunate that. I just stuck to that one project because now that I've made a a feature film, you go, oh, there's so many ideas. You you can go any single way, but I do recommend um, for anyone who is going to make a film or a project, it's a really massive undertaking, and I recommend they just focus on that and try not to focus on the big picture, but more focus on the day-to-day little things that you can – the small steps to get it because if you try to focus on – making your first feature film, you will sort of overload your brain. You'll sort mm. of, it, your brain doesn't work that big greatly. Like you just have to like break it down to like, Hey, let me get, do a table read. Hey, let me find cast. Hey, let me get funding. Hey, let me get a crew. Hey, let me find locations. And you sort of just have right. to break, so break I'm gonna,
0: it down. I want to pause you real quick just because yeah. um, I'm really curious about these early steps. So you start writing this, this screenplay, um, was that something that you like, did you finish your first draft before you started thinking about making it into a movie or can you take me a bit through what that early of course was like?
1: Um, so my, my dad was a writer really, he's a really great writer and he's wrote a few screenplays and a few books. And so of course I decided, um, not to be a writer all my life and I hated it and I was an artist and I decided, um, uh, I'd write a script without looking at what a script looked like, and of course, the first script I write is about a guy going to a funeral of his father. So you killed your, I killed my dad in my first script, because it was sort of like a manhood thing, right? You kind of have mm-hmm. to go past that. So basically, I guess the the simple answer is I never looked at it as a script. I never mm-hmm. the script part of the 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 having the script was never a goal for me because I I just didn't want to. Make a script. I wanted to make a movie, and the only way to do it was to have blueprints for my build of my house. Basically, is I never, and I don't even call uh, screenplays screenplays unless they've been filmed. So it moves from a script to a screenplay. It's a retroactive term that I I use because I I don't think it's a screenplay until it's been on screen. Um, mm-hmm. So I wrote the script with no intention of just writing a script. I wanted just to make a movie. So the whole time it was about making the movie. And, you know, I'm a storyboard artist, so I storyboarded it pretty largely. And that's how I got all of my crew was uh, going to DPs or or costume designers um, and showing them my uh, portfolio of storyboards for this project. So it really was not about the script, oddly enough. And I don't recommend Doing what I did, which was not doing a lot of reading, not reading a few good scripts. I mean, I really recommend if you're going to write a script, just read like Taxi Driver, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and like a like one or two others, and then you'll—that's all you really need to to, to know. And uh, um, so <laughs>
0: those two, good enough, you know. <laughs>
1: Uh, but now That's, now it's different i'm you know it's now it's now i understand a little bit more about writing but i definitely yeah. um definitely uh, this movie that i made was the first and only thing i've ever written
0: okay so you got this you got the script or the yeah the script finished and you made storyboards for it and then you start is that when you started trying to like build your team
1: yeah yeah so i basically I put my, I always say, I put my shoes on before I put my pants. So I thought that you needed a crew before you need a cast. So what I did is I made my scripts and then from the script, I do the storyboards. And then I, I basically went forward with thinking I could shoot this thing in the next summer. Like, Oh yeah, next month I'll be able to do it. But I didn't realize, Hey, I don't have a cast yet. So, Mm -hmm. um, what I learned about filmmaking is it's all the steps have to be in order for things to to work and have validity to those actions. So I sort of did things in a weird, weird, uh, platypus way where, I mean, we were casting up until the week or two before we shot and we were casting for like six months. So, uh, and we casted it ourselves as well. So, uh, and, uh, I saved up about 25 grand for the movie and, and, and paid for it myself.
0: Gotcha. It was all Uh, out of pocket or everything was out of pocket. Okay. And when you say we, I'm guessing you're referring to your lovely brother, uh, friend of the show, Jesse Lemmy Adams?
1: Yes, yes, yes. That is my bro. And uh, that was actually – that's sort of a great, like, moment when uh, my brother kind of came in on the movie while we were shooting. And he sort of – he just fits so well. And you know my brother. He's just – He's such a magnanimous magnanimous? Is that a word?
0: Magnanimate.
1: Uh, magnaminate <laughs> He's magnetic. And he's uh he kind of came in and we we, we discovered that we're, we're a directing duo, not just me being a director. It really was um, a directing duo. So once, once my brother came in for the production, the actual shooting, we kind of discovered what our partnership was. But all the way up until that, that was all my money, all my thing. It was just me pushing, pushing, pushing um, with not really knowing how to do it. I mean I think you know the first film when you make one it's just learning how to do it and how to have fun while doing it I it's not really don't really know as much as you might anyone might think they know but I just I recommend if someone's making their first project just to enjoy it and just learn how to do it cuz now I'm a, I'm I'm working on a pilot that we're actually going to shoot in a few months and I I, the steps that I, the wrong steps that I made in my first project, I can just get rid of that and scrap those months and months of doing the wrong steps and just do the right steps in order. So, uh, we're really thrilled.
0: Okay, um, yeah, so when at, at what point in the, you said that your your brother didn't come on board until you you guys were already in production.
1: Yeah, I mean he was always on board in the sense of like. Uh, he you know he helped uh look at the script or he helped do that, but it wasn 't like we were partners. It was like he was just helping his brother out for a while oh. and then uh halfway through our movie shoot, my producer and writing partner basically came up to me and shook my hand and said "This project 's not worth my time and he left and that day, my brother was there, and I think uh we just took over as a duo it was Thank it was you. like Oh, my God! We're in the middle of the desert. My producer's leaving. One of my actors is getting scared and, and wants to leave as well and then my brother came in and we like figured it out like on within twenty minutes. We rewrote the ending of the movie right. like together.
0: Yeah, I want to get into that story deeper too but um but first, I just wanted to ask like so i w- I just want to go back to this early point yeah yeah you've, yeah you've got the script, you've decided you're making this movie. Um, who, who was the first hire where you were like, you know, you know, like when you, when you're doing a project and you get that first person on where you're like, oh shit, this is happening. Like what, what was that point for you where it was, you know, you know, when there's those, those early steps where you still could kind of flunk out of it. But that moment where you're like, oh, this is really going to happen.
1: It was when we hired our uh, director of photography, Paul Toomey, who was an angel on the set. And uh, it was really – I was working as a wardrobe supervisor somewhere on some um, movie called The Way We Weren't, and he was the DP of that. And I had my storyboards there because at that time I was bringing my storyboards everywhere. Um, and I just showed him the storyboards and I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm making this Western sort of modern Western comedy. Do you want to like check it out? And he was like, I will shoot this movie for you. And so at that point, it's weird how building a tribe at that point I felt really strong. And then I think the other position that really kind of made me feel good was we had a um, – uh, Sharon Davis joined us, which was, she's a costume designer. She did Django Unchained, Dreamgirls, Ray, And I worked with her on Magnificent Seven, the newer one. And when she read the script and loved the script and sort of backed me up and she helped with some of the costumes and, um, she really was a, a person of force that was like, oh man, totally totally this can be done if you know once you see people believe in you you sort of like believe in in the project and stuff like that because it's more you know people need to jump on board because the idea is good and because uh the leadership is there and they believe in me you know what i mean it's yeah. also me that i'm you know you're partly sailing you in know in, in a way so when those two people came on and then when um Ken Priest, who's, who's our audio mixer when he came on, once I knew I had a good camera and a good audio guy, I, I really, we really felt confident.
0: That's awesome. And with, uh, when you got your DP, um, as far as like the cinematography of this film, uh, how much of it do you feel like, uh, was, was you picking the shots, picking the, the changes How much uh, autonomy did you give to your director of photography in determining that
1: stuff? That's a good question. A hundred, a hundred percent. Everything, you know, it's not nothing's fifty-fifty in this. It's all hundred, a hundred. So we really, um, I knew that coming into it, we're shooting a single cam, Mm -hmm. and I also had a, I, I had a plan. I knew he was alone in the camera department. This guy did like six jobs for me. Like he literally did like – so I know that we can't do your Scorsese tracking shot, boot moving over. We didn't have lights. I'm As many lights as other shows does. So I knew that I would shoot this thing like a play. And so basically get a good master wide and get two different other shots and then maybe like a third shot. But we really – we really put it on a, a tripod a bunch because it's, the, it's an easier thing to do. And it's also comedy. So when you're shooting a comedy and, and you have really good actors, you just like let them do it. Like watch Austin Powers or any Jim Carrey movie. You just notice – you don't really notice the camera that much because the actor is so good. So once we had our funny guy character, uh, Mike Kurtz, mm-hmm. and it was just so interesting to watch, uh, we just really – we did a really simple – simple cinematography but uh i mean maybe you i mean you you saw the movie so i mean there's some good shots in there definitely definitely yeah
0: Uh, no i really enjoyed it um yeah and i'm always curious you know that was one of the first big ahas yeah and i started you know my own humble path into filmmaking was just just thinking about uh as far as the cinematography of the film. Yeah. um, You know, things like shot choices and how you're building this narrative. um, Yeah. It is a language unto itself. It
1: so is. It so is. And Mm -hmm. I think also what really uh, defined uh, the cinematography a little bit or the look of the show was that, we shot out in the desert in Buttonwillow, up by Bakersfield and mm-hmm. you was, get weird gas stations. We had a VW green bus and a yellow Cadillac. You can't really go wrong with like just being out in the middle of the desert with two kind of cool looking cars. So yeah. really it's also about setting up like what the background is, like just, just being smart about where you choose to shoot and that and, and then finding that that defines. Um, I definitely am finding that um, – styles can change and what I like about working with Jesse my brother is that he'll always he'll always think of a really good complicated shot and I'll be like oh maybe we can't do that but it's good to know that that's a good shot to do because we can work on another shot so we're really excited because um, you know, it's going to keep moving forward and right. we're going to keep learning, you know. And I think being loose is important too. Like getting on your film set and and having an idea of what you want, but really being a, a really loose, uh, it, at least for me, works well. So when you...
0: Uh, from when you wrote the script, um, how long did it take you to go into production?
1: Um. Well... In this in this particular case, I think we were doing rewrites all the way up to the end. So, mm-hmm. but the initial script was probably three years before we shot that first wow. draft. Okay, it was probably three three and a half years, um, which flies by if you if you're working a bunch in the film business and, and doing a, ten other things as you're going. But mm-hmm. um, it seems like a long time, but you know it it, it takes time. You know, it just takes time yeah. to. To Would get you a just
0: write like write your work on your script as you know when you had like a free day or when you know
1: all the time? Yeah. And now I know better. Now I know to not do like now I know to let the script breathe a little bit mm. and and do stuff like on the the last script Jesse and I just wrote a Cave Teens pilot. We just we we just we're better writers now. But that first one, man, I was butchering that thing up till the all the way up to the day and um sort of sort of funny how that worked out. But you
0: know. Yeah, it's funny you, you as a I know this from my own creative path. It's almost like you have to learn like that's a skill in itself, learning how to structure your time so that you have the space to be truly creative, to let ideas breathe. To, so if important. If you're just on all the time, you're not necessarily gonna be you might get more in the way of quantity, but the quality, you know, tends to suffer. I've found.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. Completely. You almost have to
0: design uh, your own workflow that really benefits you. Um, and, and a lot of times in those early projects, yeah, it's that trial and error process of like, Ooh, that didn't really feel good. Like, yeah. Okay. This, this took me out for a week. I need to like, you know, try to either build in time to be taken out or I need to, Figure out a way to where I can bounce back a little faster. How do I be gentle with the fact that I'm still learning, and you know all those million different variables.
1: Yeah, I always say you know passion and dedication are like uh, second cousins who who, who fucked. You yeah. know, and you basically have you know the two different things. Like man, you could feel passionate about something, but like you maybe not approach a certain script or a certain drawing or a certain song until you feel that you've like soaked in a bunch more, but then you have to work on your dedication, which is just like allowing that time to work. It's such a fun, it's such a fun thing to be an artist in that way. And I think we all are really an artist no matter what. Um, So I'm I'm taking that word back artist. I don't know why I ever became a negative connotation. I'm an artist maybe because it sounds pretentious or something.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, as my, as my brother likes to say, the only difference between artistic and autistic is you.
1: Oh, that is pretty good. That is pretty damn good.
0: <laughs> um, and often you find that there's savant-like qualities that manifest in any of us that really try to take a, a swing at some of this, uh, you know, intangible, Uh, energy, you know, trying to catch lightning in a bottle as it were.
1: Totally. And I think it's interesting too, because like usually there's a flux between people of uh, creative energy and that breathing that you're talking about and being able to relax or being able to work well. But right now we're all in the same position. We're all inside this pandemic. We're all completely cut off from certain things. So it's a good time to be writing songs or to be, uh, you know, drawing or certain things are good, but it's also kind of hard to keep your time like time sort of loses its uh, value a little bit. Cause you're like, Oh, I could just hang out today and play video games tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then the next day watch a movie and then, Oh, maybe I'll do something tomorrow, you know, the day All after right. that. So.
0: It can slip easily in, in either direction. Um, so you got your, you got your, your, your crew together. You got your, was, was Jesse involved in, in the casting?
1: Jesse was involved in the casting. So we went to this thing called cast.com, C-A-Z-T.com. And it's basically a free casting place where you can have six actors come in and they each have 10 minutes to to do your role. And it's all free as long as you you send them their video, the casting video, and like a critique of of why you didn't choose them or why you chose them. Mm -hmm. And so – we literally went through probably like two to three hundred people on backstage casting certain things, and we really like kept f- trying to find certain people for for this thing, and it just took a while t- until we found some quality actors because we weren't coming in with a casting director who had quality actors. We had to go through sort of we had to sift through everybody um, and then and then do it. So yeah, I think Jesse was the one that. Once he saw our our, our lead girl, uh, Grace De Mayo, she he knew that she was the one, and so mm. uh, we, we're lucky because we, we sort of have a, a lot of taste and or I guess taste of what we don't like, and uh, so but we really what what does good in this movie, especially in an indie movie, you need good actors in an indie movie because it's like one of the only things that's holding it together.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So you found them all through these kind of back channels, as it were.
1: Yeah, we found them all through the back channels. And then uh, one character was a friend of mine that uh, we sort of like fit into place and said, Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. And then Oh, yeah, I think another character was um, my old speech teacher. uh, Mm -hmm. And then another guy was uh, he's like, the store clerk, the Indian store clerk, he owned the motel. yeah, And Yeah, he's really – he's he's actually going to be in every one of our movies 100%. <laughs> and then um, his name is Shaw. And I don't even know his last name because that's how epic he is. You know, Beyonce doesn't have a last name. You know what All I mean? Right, Shaw right. doesn't have a last name. Shaw. And so we just found – and then we used people around town as well. But there weren't that many characters. We, we There's mm-hmm. really only like – five to six characters in the movie uh, uh, completely and like no background actors. We just didn't have a lot of money. So we just, we just kept the script as short as possible, you know, with as far as characters go.
0: What was that process like of actually like hiring an actor? Like, did you have, you know, obviously you guys are working on a limited budget here. So I'm just curious, you know, um, with, with these people, like how does that go when you're talking about, you know, you're trying to like be mindful of where all your budget is going, but you also don't want anyone to feel like they're being undervalued or.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, originally I had casted for the lead girl a Russian girl who had a really thick accent. She was a good actress, but we're shooting the movie in Button Willow. It's like the only person who's going to have a Russian accent, and doesn't it just didn't make sense? So I I I, I miscasted her originally. And then I had to like call her up and be like, Hey, just to let you know, um, the role is sort of different than what, what we're getting with the vibes. So, uh, so it, it makes you feel bad if you do a bad casting move, but if you do a good casting move and you put someone funny, behind the lines that you wrote, it makes you feel good. You know, you get like, yeah. you get bam and you feel, it's like having the team members that join your forces that make you feel good. Like once we had a solid cast, which was like literally up to the weeks prior to the shoot, mm-hmm. I knew that we, the movie was going to be good as sort of, we did a lot of our directing with just finding a good cast, you know?
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Did you, uh, when, when you were, uh, directing, these scenes, these—did uh, you like ahead of time plan uh, room for like ad-libbing from your actors, or what was your approach to uh, staying on script versus, you know, letting letting on-site rewrites happen?
1: Um, I'm very open to any improv I, I find it entertaining and laughable and actually some of my favorite moments are just little moments of improv mm-hmm. so I'm the I'm the kind of director that really likes the open space um, I do find that it's helpful to do the scene how the script is start like that and do take or two and then let them do some openness and then come back to the script again and, and sort of having mm-hmm. a flux between working on the A a dialogue on the script and then and then being open but yeah we we really let a lot of improv uh happen in the movie i mean
0: especially with comedies i feel like my favorite comedies all are whether it's you know happy madison productions all the adam sandlers or with like the will ferrell movies or you know these are all films that are kind of born out of improv work you know a lot of our favorite totally scenes
1: totally yeah yeah man
0: um, so yeah so it, I'm, I'm just trying to go through this process of how a oh, movie so yeah gets made. so cool um so now you've got your cast you got your actors you got your brother um and you guys are driving to button willow can you just talk about how like how did you build your like shoot schedule? Like how did that work? Did you just go from the beginning of the movie to the end? How like that's such a mystical process for me when I think about directing a movie. It's like where do you start? What scenes do you start with? How do you make those decisions?
1: Yeah, well, hopefully you hire someone else. To make those decisions for you, but I did not because I am an idiot. Mm -hmm. So I decided just to schedule the whole thing myself, um, which was good because I, I learned a lot. And, and I mean, really what we had was a script that had four main characters, but it's usually only two people at a time. So we wrote it in a way that we knew that we could not overload ourselves and have a bunch of characters in every scene. It's really, if you watch the movie, it's really two characters are in and then it flip flops and then they mix and mingle and cross paths and flip flops again. And, you know, it goes through their things, but we really kept, I mean, most of the scenes, 80% of the scenes are just two characters. Uh, and so we knew with that, um, we would be strong cause we would do three days with the guys, four days with the girls, three days with the guys. And we did shoot it sequentially. Okay. and uh you'll notice that in the movie because as the movie goes i think it gets better but
0: <laughs> i hope <laughs> i hope
1: it does but you can i feel like you can see jesse and i as directors uh at the end of the movie you go like oh, okay it's like we, you can see that we learned through the movie you know what i mean mm. i yeah. hope
0: that's great i mean not the worst trajectory you know it, it continues to pull you in more and more as as the movie progresses um Awesome. And so I just want you to take me to like showing up on your first day making a film. You know, what was that like to to show up to set on the first day?
1: it's pretty wild i mean we showed up in the like at the motel and it was like the nastiest like nothing was clean and the guy that usually works at the motel was like gone for for so we show up and we're like oh my god the cast has to stay here there's like cockroaches so we just like clean toilets like me and the producer and uh, my girlfriend at the time who was a lifesaver ruby and lee we just us three just sat there clean toilets and drank beer you know, I mean, that's the first thing I did was just... So you guys went
0: out ahead of your cast?
1: Yeah, we went out there a day ahead to okay. just to beat them there. Um, uh, and then, yeah, I think one of the other first things that happens, my Cadillac broke down on the way to the shoot. So we were like, mm. oh, wow, that's great. Uh, but it was really exciting. I mean, for me, I think I understand why people... the The night before... You do something, you sort of get that giddy excitement, like with the, like the first day of school, like you know, you can't sleep, you know that. But once once I I figured out with me at least, once I wake up, I'm really calm because those all those problems that you have were all hypothetical back then, so you could overthink them. But once you wake up and you start your day, it becomes practical. And then for me, I don't I'm I. I I, I pride myself on trying to be efficient. So I knew once I, once I wake up the next day, I'll feel better, uh, but I'll rack my brain that night, you know, but so it was a very calming thing. Cause you know, we're basically what it felt like is we're going up to do what we love to do. That's the way that we looked at it was um, we're so excited. We're so lucky that we get to go on a vacation and shoot this movie. You know, it really was a vacation for us.
0: Right. Did you, uh, yeah. And that's a, I mean, what a great vibe and tone to set, you know, as this leader for, for the team that you're on. Um, so how many days did you guys did it take to shoot it?
1: It took, um, 26 days. No, wait, sorry. twenty twenty one 21 days. It was a 21 day shoot. And, um, we did three days originally. Oh, I, I forgot to mention this. We did three days and then we waited six months because we were still casting for the girls. Mm-hmm. Uh so we started with three days just to kinda get a camera test. And and then um we shot the movie. I think the the, the, the movie was seventy pages, so they say you can usually, you know, do five to six pages a day. And I think uh yeah, we basically did somewhere around that. So it was a 20, yeah, 19, it was a 19 days or 20 days, something like that. Okay. Uh, Not in a row though. It was, it was a few days, then two weeks and then another week. We kind of broke it up to make sure that we could go back and make sure that we weren't missing anything.
0: Yeah. Did you, um, did you have to do any reshoots like after, after you, uh, got a look at the footage?
1: Um, I think we did one day of reshoots was just like B-roll and like a, the end credits, you know, the book, the illustration that I that mm-hmm. I had drawn. Yeah. Um, but actually the funny thing is once we got all the footage, we're like, oh, my God, we have five days of reshoots. And then we worked and we kept editing because my brother and I edited it together. We edited for another week and then we'd go, OK, we only have four days of reshoots. And then we'd edit it for another week. And go, actually, we actually only have two days of reshoots. And, we, <laughs> and then so we, you, you really in the edit, you get so scrappy in a good way, that Mm -hmm. you you just make it work with what you have. And then, you know, I feel like that's efficient. So I think we only had one – we didn't reshoot anything, but we just had one, like, final, like, go back and make sure we have, like, little connection stuff, you know, Mm. connection shots and, like, a few uh, establishing shots. That's
0: awesome. 22 days, not bad, or 21 days for your first – your first project um were there i know you had a couple as with anything um crises come up over the course of of shooting it are there a couple stories there that you want to talk about like
1: yeah i mentioned one a little earlier but i mean really um you know it's a film set is basically you know a hundred hurdles like every day and a clean slate so it's like it's weird it's like in the moment these you can have so many problems but it's real I feel like directing is just problem solving and decision making and I think like I've I've been on some film sets where I see directors be indirect which is the worst thing you can do if you're a director is is to be indirect or not know what you want Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah man we went through crazy things and you know Um, not too dramatic, but you know, uh, definitely, uh, noteworthy, but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, we, we pushed through it and made made everything happen. So it was, it was all beneficial.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, it it is a, a process of putting out many fires and, and, uh, you know, I'm sure it feels great, um, to, to push through that. And, um, so after 22 days, you have all this footage, uh, now what, you know, now, now that you got it all, all, all wrapped.
1: What Good question. Look like, yeah. um, we basically, <laughs> here's another lucky thing, you know, another talk about luck again. We tried to hire an editor. We, and okay. we, we went to like two or three editors and, you know, they were both, I think working full time. They had other projects, You know, and our stuff was, you know, with when you're not shooting with an AD or a script soup, you know, it's like here's what happened on day 14, and it's just like everything's unorganized. You know, it was like sort of like a big heave, you know, for anyone to anyone to when you want to edit an entire feature film, it's like it's a full commitment or not. And we basically got slightly turned down by two editors, but it was really that. I didn't felt bad for them because they were my friends as well. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, they're such good people. And they helped out a lot, actually. There's there's some scenes in there which are like highly influenced by some of my good friends and editors. And but really what happened was Jesse came down after our second editor wasn't able uh to stay on the project. And me and him sat in for like, I think three weeks or something and we or two weeks and we just went for it and we figured out we want to edit every one of our movies because you know the Cohen brothers do that and, the, and they have a certain mood and especially with comedies i feel like unless you're going to hit the joke the right way you know what i mean you just have to hit a joke the right way it's just about having a bunch of jokes yeah. and and so we were thrilled that we um couldn't find an editor and that we got to do it ourselves
0: yeah, that's such – I mean, when I think about the videography projects that I do, um, I just got hired to do another music video for some friends of mine, and I was talking to my my buddy, and he was like, you know, we're trying to break down the budget for the project, and and he asked me, he's like, so, like, you know, what if we were to bring in, like, an editor, you know, like, would that, what would that look like? And I was like, oh, no, 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 like, I'm going to edit it, you know, if I'm yeah. shooting the project – Like I got the vision. I don't want to put that into somebody else's hands as much as that. Maybe on another project, that'd be a cool experiment. And I'm sure I'd learn a lot. It'd be really cool. But like so far, you know, you know, the project better. That's why. Yeah, totally. I know what you know. I'm not a great again. Like I've never had a script supervisor an assistant director and I've kind of developed my own shorthand for how I organize footage. And it's pretty bad. So like,
1: <laughs> I, I recommend having lot... <laughs> an assistant editor. That's what we're right. going to have on our next project, just okay. to log everything correctly, to put yeah. all the good takes together to totally. do that. Like, that's really what I think editing is, comes down to is like, like not going in and just cutting your scene. It's like going in and watching every shot and then yeah, be like, this one's good. This one's good. And, one's good. and you yeah. sort of edit from wide to skinny. So totally. definitely having like that assistant would be helpful for us, but too bad we're yeah, too I've stubborn. Been...
0: It's funny. That's actually, I've been working as an apprentice on this documentary and uh, I'm working for, you know, the producer and director is a professional editor. And so that's kind of where his mindset is. And so a lot of my work, you know, other than going out and collecting B-roll has been to build... Uh, these file structures and organize all the footage and tag it. Oh, wow. um, It's been a a process of, of, yeah, there's a lot of like grunt work and a lot of, uh, again, just looking at all the footage. But you do get more efficient. I do like have started to to have my own little uh, processes for how I like to build things out. And, you know, it's just like all things in filmmaking everything is an iceberg, you know, tip of the iceberg situation. Like there's just, you could go dive so deep into any dimension. Um, and I know early on that was a little overwhelming, but, um, but yeah, you, like, like you said, you you keep learning as you go, you put in one foot in front of the other. And I could definitely see how having a dedicated, you know, organizational mind like that really um, especially someone that like, also can see the bigger picture or who who can interface with you guys in that way. I mean, so much of it is the personality fit. You
1: know? Yeah. It's the personality. I so agree. I mean, when you're building your team, it's, it's personality. And then it's also just making sure you're making the same movie, you know, mm-hmm. and just, just making sure that, you guys are know that you're making the same movie. Like, uh, you, know, you know, you know, maybe not be too on the nose or not. Oh, Hey, this is a comedy or this is a, this is a dark comedy or this is a parody, you know, just like kind of having the same vision, which was good. And I think that's why my producer uh, eventually broke off, off of the team because he sort of was not, not really making the movie we were making.
0: Mm. You still there? Did I lose you? like we've paused i'm wondering if the call got dropped let me check in on here connection lost problem with the network all right reconnecting
1: sorry yeah no yeah we reconnected
0: all good i just kept it rolling so um, kept it rolling kept it rolling baby awesome so and, and again, you know, we're about an hour in. Let me know if uh, I don't know how how much time you have, but I'm really enjoying this, and and would certainly love to cover as much as. Yeah, let me know if you have
1: any like wide set questions about like totally art or film or just uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah man. I I like going to specifics honestly because it's it's sort of sure. I sort of forget how many lessons there were in making the first well, feature film like
0: we're kind of building a mosaic of of specifics <laughs> that then work to create the fractal of the larger big picture, you know? So we can bring it back home at the end. Um, Beautiful. But, uh, I like
1: the way you talk.
0: So you get in the editing suite. Uh, uh, what I want to know is uh, how painful was was your first cut?
1: Oh my <laughs> God. <sighs> they say if you don't like scorsese says if you don't feel physically sick on your first cut there's something really wrong and (laughs) and i swear to god i looked at it and i said that's the worst thing i've ever seen and it really it really feels like that it's like you know, you, there's no like beautiful Quasimodo moment where like, that's my baby, but it's ugly. No, you're like, that's an ugly baby right there. You know what I mean? You, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you basically get to a point where you're just like, Holy crap. And it's so weird how the perception can change. Um, but it's good to have that initial hatred for it because you care about it. And if mm. you're, if you like, have those feelings it just means you care about it and you want it to be good um yeah so definitely the first viewing i remember i was i ran into my friend mindy over at home depot and she saw the look in my face she knew i'd been working on this project for three to five years Mm -hmm. and i i I was like the cut was so bad Mm -hmm. i was like what the hell do i do um but you know you just keep working on it you know you do that first big one and then i find it's good to like go in and like pick a scene and Jesse and I would actually, you'd be like, Hey, how about I take this scene tonight? Uh, and then you take another scene. It's really good. The way that my brother and I edit together, because sometimes you can be Chewbacca. Sometimes you can be Han Solo. You don't got to be right. driving the millennium Falcon all the time. Totally. You can let your brother go and do, you know, right. the driving p- period. And I so Chewie,
0: Chewie was the fixed, the hyperdrive motivator, you know, you need yeah. the grease monkey. Sometimes it's not all piloting and one liners.
1: Yeah, I definitely was the chewy. I definitely was a bunch of chewy. I was like, because I knew editing a little bit more than my brother did. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, my brother, he can concentrate for like 10 hours straight sitting down. So Mm -hmm. he's like a madman. You know, he's a deep dive creative person. I'm a shallow dive creative person. So I, I like to skin the surface, do this, but man, I was really impressed with uh, my brother. And I mean, we really actually made the movie in the editing. I don't, I don't think we knew what the theme of the movie was Mm. until we edited it. And then we're like, Oh yeah, that's what it is. Like, like sticking together basically is, you know, a theme like, you know, how, how much is it worth to stick together?
0: What, uh, what, what program did you use to edit this?
1: We used a premiere pro, which I, I really like.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, uh, it's funny I've been over the course of my like you know 3 years I've been doing videography I started on Final Cut and then moved to Premiere just depending on the projects I was working on and then uh on this latest documentary project my producer wanted me to learn DaVinci and um after about 5 months of working in DaVinci I'm like I'm sold I I bought the resolve studio for like no Logic way. And I'm like all in, I just love the workflow on it. And, and I still love premiere. I still have like the Adobe suite as well. Yeah. But I tried to go back to premiere after working, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a new language, you know? And, uh, I tried to do a project in premiere and I was like, ah, I gotta go back. I gotta go back to Da Vinci. So
1: Oh my god, um, I, I didn't realize how deep uh into this world you are, actually. That's so oh, cool. You know,
0: in my own humble way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's I was just wondering like if how you and your brother were you working on like proxies or like how did you manage to both be editing um, the same file trees?
1: Yeah, so we shot the movie in six K. So um, it's massive files. So we yeah. so we use proxies. Um, we set up I think two monitors, a big table. I mean, what uh, bought a chair? I think we went to Fry's and like bought a speaker system, a light system, mm-hmm. and so we kind of like made the edit bay worth editing in because yeah. originally I had it all on like one little. One little desk in, in the corner of my room, a monitor, and it was mm-hmm. so small and stingy. So we – the first thing we did was just like open up the space, make make an, an office out of it because we knew we were going to spend days and days and days on there.
0: Right. That's that little zone you got in your kitchen, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We made the yeah. dining room into the office. So, sure. um,
0: so was he mostly editing down there with you in person then?
1: Yeah, we were editing in person uh, okay. a bunch uh he would come down and we would it would literally be like 12 hours at least every day 12 to 18 hours of editing every day Mm. I mean we would we work from you know 10 a.m to 10 p.m and then go to sleep eat some empanadas wake up and keep working and you know what's nice is if if you hit a a bad point in your editing or you don't feel like you're going very far, you just edit another scene. You just go to a different scene instead of just trying to push through that scene and try to make it all happen. You just hop to another thing and whatever's uh, the easiest thing to edit at that time or most Mm -hmm. enjoyable. Just do that.
0: Awesome. That's I love that mentality and yeah, you know, pushing through or finding a place where the flow can get in. If, if you hit a stop, um, and so wait, would you have him kind of like riding shoddy and you're the one clicking all the buttons? I'm guessing that you had all your shortcuts uh, keyed in and were pretty Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, that's how it started for sure. I mean, it really was like that, but I will say his, my brother's learning curve, I just can't say how erect it is. It yeah. really is such an erect learning curve. That's and what I th- it,
0: th- when I hear Jesse, I think of, um, it makes me think of a erect- erection. It's an
1: erection type of thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, really immediately he he jumped in. One thing we're still working on is we call the mountains. It's like when you have a clip on your timeline and then you have a clip above that and then a clip a little to the right above that. So instead yeah. of having your clips all on the same, like, uh, a line, or, you know, we kept building these giant mountains of clips and valleys. Yeah. Cl- so we're still working on workflow keeping keeping
0: the timeline clean
1: keep the timeline clean and so that that's one thing that we're still working on as a duo but um uh yeah we we got we've gotten pretty good at editing and in sort of just approaching the scene in an open way and then figuring out where the weight is of the scene and how to best um you know purify that and express that so each scene is its own you know own little body which is great
0: did you guys have any epic fights that broke out during this process? Not
1: <laughs> one fight. Isn't really? Isn't that funny? Isn't yeah. that funny? Yeah. Me and my adjust- brother would
0: probably, like, you know, I'd have to, like, chase him down and bring him back in and... No,
1: you know, Jesse and I, <laughs> we really work well together. We did not argue once about any creative decision because, really, if if one of us felt strongly about something more strongly than the other, we just went with whoever felt more strongly. So in a way, we always were like, you know, it wasn't like it was oh you're wrong or you're right. Like there, there's never that those those words never really made it into our dialogue. It was really about. um what works best for the scene? And like, he's a pretty easygoing guy and I'm actually a pretty easygoing guy and we don't keep our art too precious either. So we we had a really fun time of, of mixing things up and, and trying things, uh you know, trying to be bold. We wanted to, we definitely wanted our style to be there, you know, and I think if you watch the movie, I mean, you tell me if there was a, a present style to the way we did it.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, and the more, you know, the, the the cool thing about my experience of this project was, you know, I I came in pretty much sight unseen and oh, you know, yeah. basically, you know, I, I read like an interview that you gave in an article that got me super excited because everything you were talking about, I was like, man, this guy is likes all the same movies that I like and he's making movies in the way that I want to make them. So I had a, you know, out of the blue, I just called up, you know, I knew your brother from college, but we hadn't talked in a decade almost. And I just hit him up and was like, Hey man, like I read your brother's article. I hear you guys are making movies. Like, this is what I want to do. Can I come over and just talk to you? And so Jesse was so gracious and invited me out to to Petaluma and I drove up and we just talked for like two hours and uh, he told me his story about it. And then uh, we kept talking and then he invited me to your premiere pretty quickly after that. And, it was like your parents showed up, picked me up from my house. I got to road trip down with Mama and Papa Adams, and dude, that and was I, such
1: a beautiful experience when you yeah, came down like, for the premiere. That I was, that was like, the first time I met you.
0: Yeah, I met you at your doorstep, and uh, and it was your whole family was so welcoming for me. So. You were uh, such, I,
1: you were such a good force. I, I gotta say to all all Hobart's po- podcast readers, <laughs> or, or watchers, or listeners. I don't know what you call listeners, right? Observers. Yeah. We'll call them mm-hmm. observers. Literally, Hobart came down and was just like a fucking bright star. And was just like, yeah, let's hang out. Let's do this. And, of course, you got your voice, which is cool. Like, that's one of the coolest things about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, no, it really was like you came down and you were fresh blood, too. So, I mean, you got to see the movie almost in – like a really I think you sat next to me, right? Up in the front yeah. row.
0: I think I had one <laughs> hand on your brother's knee and one hand on yours, you
1: know. <laughs> I know, man. That's that's like a pretty great way to meet someone just like randomly, like you know, on on both on both fronts. But right. you were so supportive and I you know, we I think you drove a little bit too like, to and from. I mean you were uh-huh. helpful on that one, so yeah, that man. was a really fun one. What I was really upset about was though Up the Five was gonna play at uh the Chinese theater. And then this mm-hmm. pandemic happened. So we were going to have another premiere. Um, gotcha. But uh, that, that passed up. But, you know, that was a really fun night that you came down for that premiere. Dude,
0: it was a blast. I I, I was excited about it for like two months. I had it like circled on my, my calendar and it was just like such a fun experience. And you guys were all so – I felt kind of like I'd been adopted by your family. Uh, it just felt uh, very much um, – like like there was this kinship right right off the bat that made made it all so
1: enjoyable yeah man well it you know it's like it's funny like you go through life and the people you meet you you, like the friends you meet like there's certain values that bring you together and like you know having a passion is like one of my favorite values uh in friendship because you kind of are similar you know what i mean i really don't Mm -hmm. understand people who don't want to do stuff, but I mean, as long as they're happy, do whatever you want, but if you're unhappy, then do something else, and so I'm really, I was really thrilled to meet you because you had so much passion, and so do we, so it was just like, it was an easy, it was an easy, uh, easy link-up for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Um, killer, so how long did you spend in the editing room? I'm jumping back in here.
1: Um, uh, we... Spent probably, I would have to ask Jesse, but I think we Mm -hmm. spent four to five months, but it really, maybe less, maybe it was way less. It felt like way longer, but also Mm -hmm. Jesse was living up in the Bay. So we would take breaks. We'd do three weeks on, a few weeks off, a few weeks on, because during this time, I'm also working, saving up money so I can pay my sound guy with the mm. sound master working up saving money so I could play the colorist like and Jesse was playing gigs all the time so we were sort of really busy as well as editing this project so um, yeah I mean probably as far as hours go um, I don't know definitely like over a thousand it was it was a lot of hours but it, it was spread out yeah for sure yeah um, and you get
0: more I mean a thousand hours, too. I think it's important to note that, um, you know, what I've learned uh, about my own process is it's not uniform in the amount of productivity. Like, the last 200 hours that you put in are probably equivalent to the whole rest of the project put together. You know what I mean? Like, you get so much more efficient with your editing chops the more that you
1: do. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird how it adds up. Like, like, and it all sort of like paces out. I find editing is most like massaging. You sort of like just massage things and you just, you know, you don't want to overdo someone's shoulder and then not touch their feet. You know what I mean? Like it's weird right. how the whole body is so reactive and it's the body of a film, you know, it's a whole film. And so when you go in there, you really just massage it. You don't have to fix you don't, you don't, I mean, I guess you could be kind of a chiropractor to it in the <laughs> beginning or like at some points, but really, you know, gentle massaging, you know, you
0: put, you put the actor in ch- chiropractor, <laughs> um, the, uh, was it, was it hard for you to, uh, to delegate tasks out as, as this director and producer of this film, like to put your faith in other people's vision?
1: Um, no, I love delegating tasks. It's way easier yeah. than doing them. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I really, you know, you know, it's only hard when you not you don't have faith that the person can do it. And so I, I usually don't ask those people to do things they can't do. And so, uh, as far as Jesse goes, or uh, you know, other people go, uh, you sort of have to remind yourself that you're really passionate about this. And other people might not be as passionate, even though they 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 sort of they kind of get closer and closer to where how you're passionate you are. but like I think with my colorist and a few other things you you have to remind them that you know this is a movie and this is coming from a certain place, and it just has to be a certain way so no i i think I think as far as our team goes, also we didn't have that many people to delegate tasks to i mean we mm. we sort of you know, we we jackhammered everything like on, and on every aspect of this movie. So it was really a lot more of me doing too many jobs. Um, you know, like a lot of my a lot of my work on this was like, oh, let's let me find the props, let me find the costumes, let me right. you know lo- locate that. So now I am, will be very happy on my next project to uh, be able to delegate more.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Um, so once you had like how many cuts did you go through before you had your final cut? you were ready. To, uh...
1: Um, there's yeah. probably four or five. Okay. Um, we, we had, we, it was structure issues that we were seeing because we have the, we have the two boys and then the two girls and they're both driving up the same highway mm-hmm. and everything. It's sort of a timeline movie. There's not like, it's not like pops around. So, um, as far as structure goes. Yeah. Sorry. What, what was the question again?
0: Oh, it's all good. I was just wondering, yeah, how many, how many edits, but I like this uh, path that you're taking us down even better. Just <laughs> talking about the, cause structure is one of those, you know, words that uh, yeah. means a com- completely different thing when you're looking at your own work and you've already put in a bunch of time on the project.
1: Yeah, we had, like, a – we had a scene early on when I, I really was – we were starting a movie with a certain scene, and then it sort of didn't pan out. It's like the, it gave the wrong flavored cheese. it then everyone wanted that flavored Cheez-It, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no, the whole bag of Cheez-Its is actually cheese flavored, not pizza flavored, you know. So we yeah. sort of, like, only had a few cheeses, its then we had to really make sure – I always bring my metaphors to food. It's always the easiest way to do it yeah, anyways. My but uh, – <laughs> uh we basically figured out how to do it um and that's what took a while but once we hit that once we knew which scenes were which uh then then i think the movie flourished a little bit more that's cuz everything every scene has a magnetic north in South side. Like, you know how madness, they don't fit together. If you don't push them together, that's Mm -hmm. how I like to look at scenes is if you have the scene where she finds out that her dog is dead. And then you have the scene where the dog gets killed. Like, which one do you put in first to make the most dyna- dynamic mag- magnetic force to carry you through the movie, to push that same magnetic force through the movie? So what we did was just finding out which way to face our scenes and which ways to face our magnets and which way to put it. And then once we got that, then the story kind of pushes through. It's basically about making a project so there's, not, there's the least amount of boring moments.
0: I almost think about it hearing you talk, it kind of reminds me of, um, like making a puzzle, like puzzle strategy where, you know, when you're building like a, like a 3000 piece puzzle on your like dining room table, what you start to see is that there'll be like certain clumps where you have like a lot of pieces connected in a certain like corner of the puzzle. Maybe you get the border done and then you like have just these areas by chance where pieces start to come together. And as you're talking, it's kind of, I'm imagining a a somewhat similar, uh, you know, flow with regards to this timeline that you're editing on where like certain scenes start to like, uh, the accretion disc of the scene will start to attract Mm. other pieces that stick to it. So you have these like really strong kind of hubs that are like anchor points in your film. And then you're trying to like, uh, keep working on their individual gravitational fields. Yeah, so that they totally. Can they, they coalesce they, it's
1: into totally. You know, and they say a movie has a good movie has three good scenes and no bad scenes. You know what I mean? <laughs> you basically do you do you have those hubs in within a movie where there's that dynamic change or something important that has to happen because you want to go through the narrative of, of 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 feeling like you're coming out on a different side of the tunnel. You know what I mean? And yeah. so you really have to have those hubs. And then also with the comedy, you have to have like the hubs of funniness. So like you can't put two, three, four funny scenes in a row and then not have funny scenes for the rest of the movie. So really it's weird how there's like the hub of the story and then the hub of like making sure people like the comedy. And I mean with this movie specifically, we were playing with the idea of it being half a comedy and half a drama, and seeing what the juxtapose would be of, hey, this is not going to be funny. Like, doing a scene that's not funny, and then going to a scene that's funny, we just were interested in that dynamic for us, so I think that's why Up to Five is sort of an interesting movie, is because of that aspect, especially.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it works in that regard, and it definitely makes sense when you hear, you know, when I was reading and in the conversations with you and your brother talking about you know the movies that you guys like or what you base your style out of like these like Cohen Brothers E Wes Anderson uh kind of com- dramedy kind of things where it's you have some tongue in cheek humor maybe a little bit of slapstick but then there's a strong dramatic storyline that kind of is the the cohesion behind it
1: all you know 100% 100% And it's funny how like i think Jesse is like Jesse has some classic Wes Anderson to him like his style Oh yeah, West that Anderson. mustache, bro. Yeah, I know. Look at him. He, he's in a Wes <laughs> Anderson film. We're walking around. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? I sort of keep a little more Tarantino Hitchcockian to my style, gotcha. which is not too bad. But it's funny because it seems like Jesse and I we sort of meet where Taika Wakiki and Jordan Peele are. Like that's right. sort of like what you get when you have heart and that style, and they meet right in the middle. So we we're, we're sort of like we sort of like the Taika Watiti. Wakiki, Wakiki and and jordan peele kind of like style nice. as well but wes so anderson G-life. i mean you can't beat some of those <laughs> some of those framings you know those right. are just so good
0: totally did you uh did you have to kill any of your babies in the editing room i know that's a big part of of editing is you know maybe there's some scenes that are like your favorite
1: scenes in the movie. But we had to a kill a few scenes. jokes right. and um it's so funny because sometimes you have to take out the funniest joke in the scene for the scene to work. And that is what sucks. There's a few times where the best joke ever had to leave. And it's just a weird, I think that's the only babies we killed because we shot minimal stuff. So we barely scrapped together the string of like to weed the stuff we got to do. We didn't have that many babies offered to kill, to, yeah. to be killed. You know, do you feel like we, you
0: undershot it maybe?
1: I think we, um, probably underplanned something, but also to be honest, like I were really grateful that it, there's some cohesion there and that it, it fits. So really it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, the problems I work with as like, as a director, the things I need to uh, get on is I shoot too quickly and I don't leave the camera on enough. And, you know, so, so what, what we found out was there's parts of the movie where it's like, Oh, we have to make a cut here because we turned off the camera here you know so like in those situations i think um we had some babies that died but it was really more about humor and like um taking out some jokes that was were like and we still even to this day we go remember that joke where this happened mm-hmm. like we still laugh at the joke that got taken out when we watched the movie it's kind of funny
0: right yeah that's i mean I'm, I'm, I was curious as you were talking earlier, you know, this question came up in my mind, which is mm-hmm. like, what percentage of your footage do you think made it onto the final cut?
1: Uh, percentage as in, um, as in, uh, I mean, of course we did three takes to every, every scene. So that's, right. you know, one third, I guess okay. came yeah. came in, but, uh, I think we had 20 terabytes of footage. Uh, that was what wow. it was, but we were shooting in 6k. So, yeah. uh, I mean, really every scene we, I, I don't think we didn't put a scene in and maybe we took, you shot on a black magic. We shot on a black magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no red dragon. Sorry.
0: Oh, you shot on a red
1: dragon. We shot on a red dragon. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. We had a great kid actually. That was one thing. Our, our, the DP who basically came on, made it from a student film to a professional film because Originally I was like about to shoot this thing on like a little camcorder, you know? Mm-hmm. But once you have a guy with an eighty thousand dollar camera package, I mean, you yeah. know a follow focus can cost you thirty grand to get a good follow focus. Isn't that weird? And like, like a, a slate, like, a, a, slate, like a, a slate, like an electronic time code slate that snap you know, the big snap thing. Yeah. Those cost fifteen grand. Holy
0: shit. You geez. know what I mean?
1: So so you basically you
0: need a piece you of paper and chalk
1: yeah chalkboard yeah (laughs) (laughs) i know at that point you go like this um so once you have these tools it's sort of it sort of elevates uh a little bit right
0: right so yeah and i it's funny i remember writing with you and your brother i made i got to go in the cool director's car. I got to ride in that Cadillac to the premiere with you.
1: Holy but, shit. Yeah. You were my I, date, I guess. We're, we're, yeah, my, I didn't have a I date. But I remember
0: on the way to the premiere, me <gasps> and Jesse, were still arguing about a scene, oh, that, like a scene God. order that you guys had a disagreement about. And that was so funny to me. Like, I
1: forgot about that. <laughs> I, I had made a cut, which I will never do again. I had made a cut of the film where I felt I felt like we had to tell the A story fully before we went to the B story. And Jesse, like during the movie, during this first act of the movie, right, that we're talking about. So I had a feeling that I wanted the A story to get completed, know that the guys are together, and that they have to chase down these girls. I wanted that to be, like, made in. But Jesse was like, you have to have the girls and the guys kind of left foot, right foot, like – backing the scenes up, so mm-hmm. i was I was keeping the momentum on the boys because yeah. I knew that they had stronger scenes or more scenes, and their 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 characters were a little more developed in in certain ways so i by by making that edit decision, it was more about having a story be completed. Mm-hmm. I obviously didn't tell Jesse until we were on the way to the premiere, but it was <laughs> but I for some reason I had thought that he knew that I did something but um it's funny because it, there's like so many things that Jesse and I will see that we like or dislike but like in the grand scheme of things like all the all those little decisions don't make as big of a, an impact as you think when you, when when a, a fresh audience is watching it. I mean, they have no idea what decision right. was bad or good. You know, they just are just forced to watch whatever you put in front of them. Totally. That was a really funny thing. I guess we did argue once over the movie. One, <laughs> <one> that I <laughs> he took it well though, thought. didn't he? Did, wasn't he? A,
0: yeah, a no, trooper? you guys were both very respectful, and yeah, uh,
1: he was a it was uh, it
0: was the. You know, it, it compared to some of the arguments on creative projects I have with my brother, it seemed.
1: Do you find working annoying. with your brother? Is it? Do you find it's more difficult, or like what? Is like, is it the issues? Do you? Does it get personal, or is it does, it? does it? Does it? Do you guys try to put that at the leave that at the door? Yeah,
0: it's been a process. I think we've gotten a lot better at taking the personal, the personal stuff out of it. We do definitely have like our own relational baggage as brothers and competitiveness and different things. A lot of it centered around music because we both grew up in this very musical family. Uh, but I do know that like, you know, now that we're living together and that we've, we, over the last like five years, we've really, you know, put all a conscious effort into growing our relationship into being best friends. And oh, so, that's good. so, you know, it doesn't, it never like, if it does get personal, it never lasts as long as it used to. And we're, we're able to kind of catch ourselves and, uh, and really kind of laugh it off. Um, I know that like earlier this year we made this like cookie review video that got a lot of, uh, positive response from our friends. We, we wanted, it was actually his idea to start this like cookie review YouTube channel where we would just like yeah, a hit. cookies and um, and we made the first episode and it was like, I loved it. Uh, we got our buddy Lesh, who's like this big, you know, singer for the Honey Drops and like really amazing voice to do the theme song as like this country singer. We did like a stop motion animation. And then, you know, we sent it to our friends and the, the response was overwhelmingly positive. And like everyone was just like, when's the next episode? Like you guys got to keep doing this. And within a week or two of finishing that pro- of finishing the first episode i got a call from my brother and he was like i don't want to do this anymore and that really hurt and i was just like you know i got really angry at him and it was on the game. first
1: episode no yeah, like after like, the first episode that's so yeah, sad man yeah
0: and i was like riding this high and then you know so i felt really hurt and we like ended up staying up till like 4am talking about it And it just was like, you know, it it was really hard. And, um, but kind of what it taught me was, I think for a lot of my life, I have really uh, wanted to collaborate on creative projects with people. Like that's kind of what I, when I think about like, what do I want to be when I grow up? It's like, I want to be a creative collaborator on art. And it's really hard when you're not, established to get people to commit to doing projects with you um even if you have this vision and you have it all worked out and what i learned from that with my brother was that like hey okay like i know that when me and tony get together and put our minds together i'm sure it's the same with you and your brother like we make really good shit because our like yeah we have this shorthand we don't need to explain it like our minds are often going to the same spots and our aesthetic is so similar that it's just a joy to work with. He's my favorite person to create art with our, our senses of humor, are almost one to one, you know? So, um, but you know, we have a different approach to like the frequency of how much content, you know, I've been trying to work on in my life, like putting out content regularly, not stressing about perfection, just doing it. And, so when my brother, you know, bailed on the project, you know, afterwards I was able to kind of take this lesson from it of like, all right, like I just can't rely on other people anymore to like whether or not these projects are going to get done. And within like a month of that, I had this podcast going and it really allowed me to like really take my own agency in in setting up my projects and getting things going and Um, that's a really,
1: really good point. Yeah. Um, It's a really important point. And I, I kind of learned that in reverse that you did like, but it's good. I mean, basically doing it on your own, you have to do it. Like, that's the thing is I was, I was doing it all on my own and then I had my brother and then I realized I was relying on someone and I had to like, it was like – just like how you went through. It was like a, I had to switch my compass around and be like, wait, no, I still can't rely on anyone. You kind of have to like just do it yourself, you know? Totally. I mean it's weird, but I'm so happy that, like, that you learned that lesson. I mean are you yeah, guys I – mean, when's the next was, cookie episode?
0: It was really valuable and, you know, the, the the cool thing about it is that I'm like this is what episode 12 – I've I'm I've been doing this creative project now for 3 months and suddenly now uh because I have my thing people I've noticed like I I've I've been approached as someone who does stuff now and I've had people come to me like hey you're someone that gets things done like can we do this project and so I am seeing in my life now that this podcast has been like kind of a a mulch pile for me to, you know, grow creative projects. And suddenly now, because I'm doing my own thing, people like know they can rely on me. And, uh, and so in effect, having done it independently, now I'm being offered opportunities to collaborate and, uh, and that's a really really nice place to be it's been really
1: fun and and, and I think you're strong in that position I mean like I remember hanging out with you even at the premiere I saw such a talented person and like just like sometimes you just need that to have those things to do and once you do them like now people are approaching you you're right. probably a humbler person and even like I mean not that you ever weren't but you just mm-hmm. you're you're in the right position that you should be in which right. is creating art and helping other people do things. So like, it is funny how you kind of have to like finish projects or do things. And, and then, and then you get to be wh- whatever, you know, whatever's best, you know, Right? It, yeah. it's a it's, strength. It's
0: not, again, you know, all the greats say this too, like that, um, it really is about doing it really bad for a long time. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's not, it's not about success. It's like this whole thing is so much about failing and and like failing a bunch doing things really like you know shitty until you suddenly something lines up and you have this circuit that lights up and all of a sudden you're like oh shit i did something really good like for a brief second you know and then you have to kind of like uh i I know like for me having like a mindfulness practice and meditating every day like you know as as kitschy and as as much of a trope as it sounds like it really helps with your mind of not getting attached to the uh, like kind of fool's gold that is having a moment of success because that's a dragon that we all keep chasing and it's really wonderful when you do get to bathe in it. But when you get attached to it, then you, you know, you almost can't enjoy it because you're like, is this going to go away? You know, and it's, it's so much of your time is the grind and the struggle and the, you know, pushing against the failures that inevitably come up. But if you can have this mentality, that's like kind of at peace with not being attached to either side of the emotional spectrum, I find that it does allow, uh, for you to kind of cultivate this like almost softer, longer term contentment with the ups and downs of the process. You know, if you're only chasing the high, Man, it can be a really uh, chaotic place to be in.
1: Yeah, and no, you also brought up an interesting point that like sometimes like you're gonna be in arguments and do things, and it's really not about staying out of arguments. It's about how you, how quickly you can get over them and move past it because all oh, those things are always gonna happen, especially to, between brothers and projects like that. But like it's so funny because I to, to bring back onto the other point is mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm like a like a CEO or a, that doesn't have a business or doesn't have a company. Do you know what I mean? So you still yeah. are in a position, even though I feel great because I, you know, I've had some success and I have some stuff. I still don't feel like I'm exactly what I, what, what is uh, what I'm meant to do, which is to help lead a company, you know? And yeah. um, so I guess we're all working towards uh, how we could be better.
0: Yeah. And, and nor should you be there. I think that, you know, in, from what I've learned from, from myself and others, like, that's kind of life, you know, that's kind of, it's the pursuit, you know, it's not a destination, it's the voyage. And, you know, I think that even the most successful people will tell you, like, they still are looking for that, you know, that fit, you're hitting a moving target. So, you know, it's a healthy place to be where you're like, oh, I'm not in my final form, you know, and being like, you know, not, you know, it's, you, it can be uncomfortable, but it, but accepting the uh, transitory nature that, that changes this inev- inevitable constant. Um,
1: no, I won't accept it. I won't accept that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not well, that's why you better. make
0: movies, man. Cause yeah. the movies, at least, you know, the moving pictures at least stay still in the larger
1: context. That's a good way to put it. And having those milestones of creativity, I always, it was, um, envious of musicians because man you get an album then you get a single then you get an album but with movies it's like oh my god you're like climbing mountains you know to like just right. get one stake in the ground you know mm-hmm. it's like such a funny funny thing you know and uh so yeah just working on that that build and that progression and uh i mean the now when we go back and jesse and i we go and we watch up the five our first movie it's like so much we still learn from it. It's weird mm-hmm. how it still grows in its own way. And it's like, cause you've grown and now you're looking at it differently. So. Yeah, but. it
0: does have that, uh, the same with music, right? Like it just, it, or, or like a book, like I've, I'll, there, there's certain books that I'll keep reading the rest of my life. And it's because you're a different person each time you read the story. So the, the, the story changes, you know,
1: dude, and, totally. Uh,
0: you know, just to bring the the thing with my brother full circle, you know, um, he's come on the podcast, but, you know, th- this just this last week I bought um, this device off of him called an MPC, which is like a, basically what like hip hop music was created on circa late 1990s. Yeah. Um. So it's this like beat making machine with pads and stuff and you can use it to sample and it just sounds it it makes everything just have that like late nineties hip hop aesthetic. And it just sounds so funky and cool. And earlier this week, you know, he came up to my room and, uh, I was like, Hey, I want to do a project. I want you to like, to let me make this song and kind of look over my shoulder as a way of training me. And, uh, and we came, we like ended up making like the fattest hip hop beat. Like it is so sick. And, now like i could see we did that and now he's like i could see the excitement in his eye and we're listening to it and he wants to do like this funky owen brothers hip-hop album with me and like uh, and he's like all excited about writing a verse to it. And so like, are we going to do a
1: rap battle between the Adams brothers and the Owen brothers? Then, Oh dude,
0: we totally could. We could totally do a Royal rumble for sure. <laughs> you know, we'll just it, we'll uh,
1: compliment each other. It'll be the opposite of a rap battle. Instead, I'm, instead I'm thinking we'll just, just what's popping other, into
0: good. my mind right now is that we would do, uh, we could either do like a rap that battle of who can show the most love for yeah. the other, or yeah. we could do like, Cause I kind of want it to be vaguely like cereal or not cereal food themed. Cause yeah. like you, I, 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 write my best rhymes about food. That's yeah. what I'm most passionate about. Um, so I'm thinking like the four of us could each take, uh, the role of a different breakfast cereal character and yeah. then we could each write a verse about like, i am definitely snap st- crackle pop. I have to yeah. be snap crackle pop. So you're like you're like the representative of the of the of the snap crackle and pop. Or you could rap as all three of them and Can change. Can I rap your voice. all three of them? You could do like a interwoven verse where we pitch change your voice for each character, you know?
1: Oh, that's beautiful, dude. Fix it I voice. love it. That is hilarious. <laughs> or we could also uh, do a rap where some some of us is the appetizers, the next one's the entree, and then someone's the dessert, and then we have some hors d'oeuvres in between.
0: S cargo. Escargo, you know I got the sickest flow, do you know? Escargo. Yeah, exactly. Man, I
1: can't wait till we get the jam uh, again, you know, up Hell in, uh, yeah, the studio up in Sonoma. So,
0: just to wrap up about your movie, so what's yeah. what's the current uh state of Up the 5? What's what is what are we looking forward? It's to pretty and- exciting
1: stuff so we're we just got all of the music licensed this week, so we just got the devil makes three Blatto's latos Marty mm. o'Reilly um some uh blank tape songs we i mean the the soundtrack was fantastic so jesse um graciously has gotten all all the contracts back and everything is officialized now. And so now we just have to add each of these songs and the artists into the rolling credits and then we can wipe our hands clean and we have this project. Um, Mm. Right now we're basically uh, working one deal off of another deal. So we we have our first deal on the movie, um, Mm. but we're waiting – we're going to use that deal and sort of like go up to, we're, we're basically going to try to approach Hulu and a few mm-hmm. other places. Um, and especially now it's kind of perfect uh, timing because like I said earlier, that the stock of having, um, uh, entertainment is, is up right now because nobody has a movie right now. So it's, if yeah. you have a movie or you're, you're, you're actually in pretty good shape. So we're really excited. Um, You know, we wanted to make sure the music licensing and everything was done, you know, appropriately. And uh, so then we're going to we're basically going to go off and, uh, you know, make our money back or not. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. And but what does matter is that we've made one project and that we're going to continue and like you said once once you do some things everyone sort of comes onto your side and and jumps in your ship in a good way and so we're really using up to five as a reason that to show investors and committers that our next project we can follow through with you know that's right. really what our thing is
0: yeah you're like well, i'm I'm a get I'm a get doneer. I'm someone I, I got a track record here it's, it's yeah. there's, there's no uh there's no better uh you know resume point than to have you know a finished project
1: yeah they say you make your first movie so you can make your second movie and you make your second movie so you can have a career making movies Mm. so so it's sort of it sort of is that build up uh you know thing that happens
0: that's awesome dude well i it it, if uh you know if if uh it does you know I, i hope that it does uh manifest into more because i i definitely saw you know uh this this grand potential in this film you know i love the film but I, what i saw out of it was like oh like yeah these guys have a vision like for making this certain aesthetic and i thought that that was something that you guys really hit the, the nail on the head with and i was, I was
1: that I'm means a lot coming for you man about, i appreciate that
0: future you know future hits in that regard
1: um, I really appreciate you saying that. That's, that's very nice. How yeah, dare dude. you lie on this podcast? How nah, dare you man, lie it and was... be so polite to me on this beautiful podcast? No,
0: I mean, it was like, it was, there was a degree of, of innocence, I think, in it.
1: Nice. That's, uh, a nice. you
0: know, thing. with, with like, this, you know, it was your guys' first, first, you know, first Some... project, first film. And, but when I was coming into it, you know, I didn't know like how I was going to feel or what it was going to make me think. Yeah. You could have um, just really
1: not liked the movie and you'd been right. sitting right next to Jesse and I the whole way and you totally. would have had to pretend to like it. Okay.
0: Right. <laughs> no, no, yeah. No, and, I, and I know you I d- wouldn't have, I but I did see pretending. it. You know, I did see almost in like a multi, like a non-linear way. Um, like I saw both of you guys in the, in the film and saw like what, What uh, like the three dimensional or tenth dimensional you know vision of 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 the of the vibe and the aesthetic that you guys were trying to establish, and um, you know it's funny one of my big takeaways from watching your movie was uh, just how difficult special effects are to execute. Like I was watching the scene with the gunshot, and in my head I was like, oh my god, yeah, like that's actually really hard to. To actually like convincingly portray someone getting shot, like how would I do it as a director? How would I pull that off? Like, man, yeah. I never had thought about because we watch a million movies where people get shot. Yeah, and it seems like a very common thing, but then to yeah. think about all the steps of capturing like a gunshot in a scene in a believer. I agree, and
1: and I think uh, there's that to work on, and also what I didn't realize was. What do you do after you killed someone? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like after the <laughs> shot happens is right. really where the story is going to go on and, and continue to think. So we are like, yeah, let's just, let let's kill someone. Like, it'll be fun. Like we've never done it. It's legal to do in real life. So we might as well do it on a camera. Yeah. So, and then we're, and then we realized like, Oh wait, we totally, so we had to, we actually had to do some story editing in, in our edit that made it so it, the girl's relationship really was bonded and, and traced back to a moment of, of this malice. So, uh, uh, it's interesting, you know, some of the times you don't realize the choices you make and, uh, you know, in the movie, but you have to work through it.
0: And the, and the, and the boundless fruits that can come from a happy mistake or accident, you know, sometimes that ends up being uh, you know a, a hid, hinge point that the whole film turns on right like you find some some accident or mistake and you're like oh shit there's actually gold in these hills you
1: know yeah <laughs> completely cuz the, the gold without the gold it's like uh, you know the 49 story would be really boring they'd be like yeah we just we're farmers you know but you need yeah. the gold in there Exactly. But man, I'm so excited like to to be on this podcast and I feel like it's been a super pleasurable thing and I have so many more ideas to talk about but maybe uh you know, co next coming few months I, I can hop back on and talk about our, totally. uh, our our TV show cave teens that we're working on.
0: For sure. Yeah, that was my my next the you know, the question maybe just we can we can Cap tease it, it off. a little bit. Um yeah. but so can you just like very briefly Easy, yeah, totally give us a basically of- my
1: okay. brother and I, the Adams brothers, we're working on a show that we wrote. We wrote a pilot called Cave Teens. And it's a Neanderthal mockumentary about the growing pains of being a teenager. And so it's basically like the office, but mm-hmm. as teenage kids, it's that mockumentary kind of parks and rec style. I love it. A really loose it. what we do in the shadows mockumentary style. And it's all about the teenage kids growing up and how they go through life. And it's all a bunch of roller versus All the women are the hunters. All the men are the gatherers. Uh, the, the ugliest woman is actually the most beautiful woman in the tribe. And she's the mm-hmm. mater And people are racist against hair colors. And adults are scared of farts. So we sort that. of have all these different weird things that – we get to look at our own society by seeing how these teenagers lived, um, you know, back in their day. So it'll be a a pretty funny comedy and we're actually revving up pretty hard on cave teens right now. So next time you hear it, cave teens is coming out.
0: Is it, is it a set in like a modern take on olden times kind of vibe?
1: It's set. It's set in, um, uh, 20,000 years ago. Awesome. So it's set, uh, just as, time the neanderthals were thriving and humans were just first starting to come in and we actually sort of are skipping thousands uh hundreds of years as things the invention of fire the invention of the wheel we're sort of showing all the first inventions of of this neanderthal tribe so we're sort of encompassing a lot of time passing but only but it's in one lifetime of each teenager in some way but is
0: it I, i guess my question is are the characters? Is it with like 2020 20 sentiments, like the way that people are acting? It's almost like you know, like Pixar will do that sometimes, where it's like the, you know, it's like still the modern world as far as structure goes, but you're like 20,000 years ago.
1: And, and yeah, sense. totally. I mean, it's like that mundane survival where it's like teenagers just going through it, and uh, yeah. yeah, it totally, it totally is. It it has some modern vibes to it as well. Like, you know, really? Flintstones does that so well. You know, that's why that show works so well.
0: Dude, um I if you've that. ever heard of the, the Flintstones. Idea. Yeah. I um, I, I, uh, I can't wait <laughs> to hear more. I want to learn more. But
1: no, we're really excited about it and like um uh it should be really fun. So we're actually uh right now about to start storyboarding and start casting and actually hope art to be honest this week we're doing a table read and, and would love for you to come and do some characters. Dude, I'm there. I'm so okay. down. I'm down? so down. Probably yeah, like down. Friday. I know that this okay. is like an off podcast talk now, but yeah, but like like Friday. Let's, you can leave. You can leave. let uh. The let me hit you
0: up once we go off, and we'll talk about it a little more.
1: Perfect, man. Um,
0: the last thing I just want to say: thank you so much for coming on, and I really uh, am just hearing your voice was worth it enough to to make the excuse of a podcast. You know, thank you, man. Fun fact. Really? This podcast is just about me feeling lonely and getting to have extended conversations (laughs) with my (laughs) friends by making the excuse that I'm recording it. You know, so funny. Kind of like how people go into porn just to have sex. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's why (laughs) Uh, I watch it.
0: Exactly. So, uh, I appreciate your time and (laughs) well, you're, uh, you're
1: fantastic. Oh, thanks, man.
0: Um, the last no thing I just wanted to say. ask um, um, is, uh, how can people find you? And uh, is there a place to, that we can point people to view the film? I don't know if it's like been released, if it's ready to be, yeah. to be seen. Uh, or...
1: Thank you. So, uh, my Instagram handle is at Gadams It's G A D A M Z. That's me G A D A M Z. And mm-hmm. then, um, you can just go to up the five number five movie.com so it's just called up the five movie.com is where you can okay. find it or you just go up to five movie on instagram and and you'll you'll find the movie uh, and is
0: the, can you watch the movie right now is it live on the site
1: it is not live but you will be able to see the trailer and you'll be able to cool. stay updated for when it's going to be out on amazon or hulu
0: hell yeah dude well i'll just set this intention that uh when you guys do do the release, um, I want to have both you and Jesse on. We'll do a tri cast and uh, we can sit here on my couch and put our hands on each other's legs. And- that
1: would be fantastic. Actually, that's a really good idea. And we we would love the hype, the extra hype. So
0: Fuck yeah,
1: bro. awesome. Thank you. Hobart. So, Is hey, that love what, you, man. Two hours, Thanks. two
0: hours. Yeah. Just we just did two time. hours and 45 seconds. It's wow. probably going to cut down to like just under two and, I loved it and I hope people enjoy it. But uh but you're the man and I just want to say, you know, while we're gushing, um you are like a really inspiring person in my life and uh I've definitely been really inspired by seeing you work and realize these dreams. I know we haven't spent a, spent a ton of time together, but I just want you to know that uh in my mandala of <laughs> symbols for achieving my dreams and goals creatively, you're definitely a major a constellation and that. So. Well, now I'm
1: gonna accomplish anything. You made me feel really good, so I think <laughs> we're just gonna keep heating each other up. Now I feel great. I'm gonna Here go be go. a douchebag now to yeah. anyone I want. I feel so powerful. No, I, I appreciate do. it, dude. And like literally, like we're back and forth all the time, and it's like you're like you're you're such an inspiration as well. So like Thanks, we're man. thrilled, thrilled to be on this podcast. Thank you so much, man.
0: Yeah, dog. We'll have a good one, and uh, let's check in. And I love you.
1: Love you, man. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. bye.
0: All right. Pretty cool, huh? So that's what goes into making a film. If you're independent and it's your first time and you're winging it and you're learning and you have such a badass spirit about you and a great brother. um, Are y'all's hearts warmed? Because mine is, for sure. Uh, Yeah, just man what a cool conversation and this is one that uh recording i was really interested by but but having gotten to go back and listen to it again i'm like even more fascinated by the reality that of, of trying to do this all and you know it's, it's my dream someday to be able to do something like that to make a movie and uh just getting to talk to someone who's done it it's like man it's so inspiring really inspired by gabe and his story uh, so yeah uh go check it out up the dot com uh when it comes out I, I hope y'all go go see it and i hope these guys are able to sell it and make some money off of it because it's a it's, it's a really cool movie and definitely um a good one to uh when you need a good feel-good, you know, comedy, uh, whether it's with a you know date night with your beau, with your boo, uh, the glass of wine and um, a cuddle or something, or whether you're just with your boys or your girls and you're trying to get some chuckles in, um, really, really cool when your friends are such poignant artists. So yeah, folks, uh, we got uh, another episode next week um, that I did this week that that I'm going to be releasing when I get back from my camping trip, backpacking, um, which is going to be really cool. Uh, Miss Megan Bell, founder and uh, chief employee of Margin Wines, so if you ever wanted to Figure out how wine is made. That's coming up next on the BarkCast. Um, first we did how movies are made. Then we're going to do how wine's made. But go check out uh, Gabe Adams, Gadams on Instagram. And uh, hope you all have a great weekend. And uh, get some time out in the sun and in the water. Love you all. Be well, my friends. Until we meet again. Ciao.